Jesus en Heilige Geest, Heere, baie dankie dat um, ons allemaal vanavondie kan by mekaar wees. Dankie Heere dat u ons tyd so bepaal het, dat ons hier allemaal sit. Dankie Heere dat dat die peers hart geroer het en dat ons kom bid. Want dit is die tyd dat ons by die voete sit, Heere. Dankie dat ons weet, Heere, u het ons eerste lief gehad. En dankie Heere dat u opgestaan het. Bles ons Heere, laat ons, laat ons hoor wat die hart is vanavond en dat ons ander mense daarmee kan bles die rest van die week. Ek bid het in Jesus' naam. Amen. Alright, let's start where we stopped last week. The last scene from the Passion of the Christ, if anybody saw that. And um, I think it was a brilliant depiction of... Um, what Jesus went through, and especially I was wondering through the whole f- movie, how is this thing going to end, and I think this was absolutely brilliant. You see the mark in his hand, and it's the end of the, the movie. But today, we must pick up the story there. So in John 20, what happens in John 20 is, on that Sunday, Maria Magdalene um, goes to the tomb. And as she gets there, she sees this big rock has been moved, and her master is gone. Now you can imagine what is going through her head. First thing she does, she runs. And she goes to two disciples, Peter and John, tells them, our master is gone, his body is gone. They run. They start running. And actually in the Bible, John writes, um, the one outran the other one. And they got there, and they also saw it's empty. The, the, the cloths are lying there, and there's no body. And they left. And you must know now how they feel because it's chaos in their lives. As Pierre explained to us at at Passover that Thursday evening, scared, fearful for their own lives, they left. But Maria Magdalene stayed behind and she was crying. She was sobbing. That's what our girls, that's what we do. Okay, we cry. But two angels were sitting there and they said to her, why are you sobbing? And she's like, but my master's gone. His body is gone. And apparently as she turned around, there was this man standing there and she took him for the gardener. And she said, do you know what happened? Do you know where my master's body is? And as he started speaking, she recognized that it's Jesus. And, um, and he said to her, don't touch me. I haven't ascended yet, but I'm here. And... Um, Maria Magdalene ran for a second time that day. This time she ran to all the disciples and said, I saw him. He's alive. Now you can imagine the disciples hearing this now from a girl crying. But anyway, but that evening, everybody was in the upper room. But it was locked. And I think if they had windows, it would have had trelly door in front of it or anything like that because they were still scared. They saw what happened to Jesus they saw what torment he went through, and they were associated with him. And lo and behold, Jesus appears in, in the room. Now that's a story for another day, how he appeared, hey? And um, the first thing he says to them is, peace with you. Second thing is he showed them his marks. The third thing, he breathed the Holy Spirit on them. And the fourth thing is he commissioned them. I think this was massive. They were just out of their minds, I think. 
the one person they thought was going to save them died, and he appeared now in a locked room with them. I think it was massive. I don't think they slept that whole night. But guess what? One guy missed it all. Old Thomas. He wasn't there. You know when you went, you know the next day when you get to school or to work, and the previous night there was a great grand show and you weren't there, and everybody says, you should have been there. It was brilliant. So imagine what this Thomas had to go through. And in the Amplified, it actually said they, they kept on telling him. Now you can imagine. We saw Jesus. We saw Jesus. We saw him. And the Bible just says one thing he said. He said the following, Unless I see Jesus with my own eyes, I see the marks, I touch it with my finger, I put my hand on the mark on his side, I will not believe. So this is Thomas for you at this stage. All right, a few days forward, and guess what? The whole scene repeats again. They're again in the upper room. It's locked again, still fearing for their lives, although they know. But this time, Thomas is with them. I wonder what Thomas looked like. You know, was he still like this, or was he like this, or I don't know what. And, um, and this is what we call Thomas Sunday, because it's exactly the Sunday after, the, the next Sunday after um, Jesus rose. We call it Thomas Sunday. So the whole scene is the same except Thomas is there. And the next moment, Jesus appears again. Again he says, peace be with you. And then he turns his attention immediately to Thomas. And he says, come and touch. Come and feel the marks. And Thomas exclaims, and it's so beautiful, he says, my Lord, my God. Isn't it beautiful? When I obviously read up on this, it, those words say, my Lord, is, it, it's your master on earth, but my God, he, he clicks that it's his God. He's, he's spiritual, he's kingdom-wise. My Lord, my God. Isn't it beautiful? And um, so, yeah. Let's, let's, let's put ourselves in Thomas's shoes and maybe let's go through maybe what he experienced the week before he exclaimed, my Lord, my God. Now, Thomas means, in Aramic, means twin. So one thing we know of Thomas is he, maybe he was a twin. He was one of two, okay? And secondly, it seems to me like he was an extremely loyal chap. Because in, in, in John 11, when Jesus got word that Lazarus was, was dying, he's sick, please come through, Jesus. It meant that Jesus had to go closer to Jerusalem. And everybody knew, especially his disciples knew his life was in danger because they wanted to catch him and kill him. And all the disciples said to Jesus, no, 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 we, we don't think you should go there. And it was only Thomas that said the following. He said, let us go too, that we may die along with him. Extremely loyal. And he sort of, I don't know, I get the feeling it was like the dude of the dudes. I don't know, he, I think he was that disciple. Okay. So I st I'm starting to like this Thomas character, if you, you know, I'm starting to like him. And you know what? When I thought of his words, I was thinking, you know what? I actually appreciate his answer. 
unless I see, which actually points to first-hand experience. And you know what? I'm a firm believer, a firm believer that no one's faith can rest on someone else's experience. I'm going to repeat this. No one's faith can rest on someone else's experience. And I've seen this millions of times. I counsel teenagers. The classic scenario, boy meets girl. Girl is very strong in her faith. Boy is not that so strong. He starts experiencing Jesus through his girlfriend's eyes. Relationship dies down. Boy's faith is shattered because it was built on someone else's faith. So first-hand experience is extremely important. So I appreciate that of Thomas. And then the second thing, and I read up on this because I thought, you know, Jesus said a lot of stuff, and maybe Thomas actually remembered one thing that Jesus said. And in Matthew 24, here from verse 23, listen, listen to Jesus' words. If anyone says to, them, uh, to you then, behold, here is the Christ, the Messiah, or there he is, do not believe it. For false Christs and false prophets will arise, and they will show great signs and wonders so as to deceive and lead astray, if possible, even the elect of God. See, I have warned you beforehand. So if they say to you, behold, he is in the wilderness, do not go out there. If they tell you, behold, he is in the secret places or inner rooms, do not believe it. I can appreciate this as well. So for me, Thomas was a loyal guy. He wanted first-hand experience, but he remembered Jesus' words. Careful, guys, there's false prophets out there. So that is maybe the turmoil and torment that he went through that week up until the point he said, my Lord, my God. But as we all know, he was branded after that, doubting Thomas. And I got this little joke. I thought it's brilliant. This is little Thomas there. All I'm saying is we don't call Peter denying Peter or Mark, ran away naked Mark. Why should I be saddled with this title? I see your point, Thomas, but really it's time to move on. All right, so, but yeah, Thomas was branded. He was branded doubting Thomas. And a lot of sermons over the, over the millennium has been preached on this. So let's talk about it. Let's talk about doubt. But I'm, I'm going to talk about doubt specifically in the faith sense, in faith. Because there's lots of doubts we have, am I right? But, but I'm going to focus on the faith side. And I want to wholeheartedly tell you tonight, embrace doubt. Do you hear me? I want you to embrace doubt because doubt is a gift. Now, when I wrote this down, I started thinking, what happens to me when I start doubting in my faith now, hey? Please remember that context. So the moment I start wrestling with doubt, a few things happen to me, and I, I'm sure you can identify this. I start searching for answers. I start examining my heart, okay, because you're... You know, there's lots of fault in this heart of mine. And I question 
everything. Everything. And I can tell you one thing. It's not a very romantic picture, what I go through. I'm usually crying, you know, the ugly face type. It's usually in a fetal position on the floor. Or I'm stomping my feet. Or I'm wagging my finger to the, to the Heavenly Father. And, um, and I'm angry, man, because I'm doubting. How can I doubt? But you know what I've, I've come to realize is that our Heavenly Father is never shocked about this. He's not taken aback. It's not like, oh, I'm losing one. All right. He's never, ever shocked about this. He is okay with you doubting. And I just wanted to make sure about this. So I WhatsApp a, a very dear friend of mine this afternoon. I value this guy immensely. And I said to him, do you sometimes, most of the times, whenever, lose your doubt in the Lord? And he sent me a voice note back and he says, of course, of course I lose my faith. I mean, and, he, and, and then he said the following, after I lost my dad when I was 18, even after I lost my um, father-in-law when I was 30, even when my wife and I lost our baby to a miscarriage, even when my wife was diagnosed with cancer, and even when she died, I definitely went through doubt. And we conversed, and we came to the same point, because I go through doubt in my, in my things, and he actually mentioned his experiences, but we, but we both, it led to the following thing, that in the doubt and in the struggle and in embracing it and looking for answers, you actually... It leads, it leads you to a deeper knowing of who he is, first of all. Um, there's, there's actually a, a bit of a bigger trust in your heart for the Lord. You think you trust him, but man, go through some doubt and get through the stuff. You trust the Lord more. And there's a growth in your faith. There's literally that. And you get a glimpse of the I am. You get a glimpse because we know so much of the Lord. doesn't matter how old you are, we know so much. And I actually discovered another thing of Thomas in John 14, where the Lord actually, it's as if the Lord is talking to you when you're doubting, and then you come up with that question, but, and then he answers you. And I just want to share this with you. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. In my Father's house, are many rooms. If it, is, if it were not so, I would have told you, I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you with me that you may also be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you are going, so how can we know the way? Can you hear him? He's doubting, he's asking, he's... He's stomping his feet, maybe. And Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Oh, this was wonderful. It was like I, I just got it again. And it was like, this is the type of stuff that the Lord actually in, puts in your heart when you doubt him and when you doubt faith. Because you can go this way with your doubt, but when this happens in your heart and it gets deposited, you understand the I am. Secondly, you are in extremely good company when you doubt. 
I'm going to read you something of a very, very famous person. And I want you to think who it is when I read it. Darkness is such that I really do not see, neither with my mind nor with my reason. The place of God in my soul is blank. There is no God in me when the pain of longing is so great. I just long and long for God. The torture and pain I can't explain. Have you got an idea who this is? was Mother Teresa. Now, she died in 1997, a week after Princess Diana. So Diana took the headlines, but Mother Teresa died in that same time. And in 2003, some letters emerged what she, what she had written. Now, in the Catholic um, world, it is known that saints through the centuries, that they experience something that they call the dark night of the soul. And it apparently happens periodically with, with the saints. It happens, dark night of the soul. Those words embraces that dark night of the soul, am I right? But what is so profound with Mother Teresa is in 1942, she heard the, the Lord's voice and she actually, she calls it the voice. And the voice told her to start her ministry with the poorest of the poor. But from around about 1946, when she was already in Calcutta, she never ever heard the voice of the Lord again until she died in 1997. Do you get these words now, verse? So this was a struggle for her, her whole working life. She was in doubt. She was in pain. She was in suffering. From plus minus 1946 until 1997. So she had the dark night of the soul throughout her whole working life. But obviously I read up what's going on, you know, because I remember when it came out, the Heisgenoot was full of this. Whoa, we read it up, eh? Yo, there's something wrong. Mother Teresa struggled, what's going on, how can she struggle? But, what was profound is that it said there that her spiritual advisor, by the name of Reverend Joseph Nuner, was by her side. Or she related to him he, these letters. She wrote to him. And there were three things that, I, that I'm just summing up, summed up, that, um, that she, she made peace with. The one thing that was said to her is, to be light, you have to be in darkness. So to be the light in Calcutta, you have to be in darkness. Secondly, the feelings of abandonment that she had, that she shared with, with Reverend Joseph, he said to her, it is necessary that you feel absolutely abandoned because now you know exactly how the people feel that you work with. Now you know, now you've got that, that inner knowing. 
with who you are working with. They are absolutely abandoned. And thirdly, um, her suffering, she identified that of Jesus. He suffered, I'm suffering. It's okay. So she ultimately accepted what she is going through. And actually those letters should never have been published because her, her wish was that the letters would be burnt. I wonder if she thought that if someone reads these letters that it will shake their faith. But the people that published her letters, I think in 2007 the book came out. They actually said this is an important book, especially for the believers that are struggling. Imagine this, you're struggling and you think you are nowhere. The Lord is nowhere. And you read what Mother Teresa went through. How it can build your faith. It's brilliant, eh? But remember, the key here for me was that she had a spiritual advisor. So please, ladies and gents, if you're in doubt, don't go and drink and go and surround yourself with fools. All right, go and seek wise counsel. Even Mother Teresa needed wise counsel. So, in closing, I found two quotes that I actually merged because I didn't want to show you one quote and the other because it's slightly the same, but when I merged them, it made more sense. And it was so profound for me, and I want to read it to you first. It says there, the serious atheist who wrestles with ultimate questions is likely to be nearer to God and contribute more to the understanding of both God and man than the pious believer who placidly accepts prevailing views and is caught up in his own fake image of God. Is that me when I read this? And the answer was unfortunately, yeah. I don't wrestle enough. Atheists that wrestle with ultimate questions is sometimes closer to God than you that's got that fake image of God. And the fake image is the thing you put in your head, the imagination, the not reading the word and getting to know the Lord really for who he is. So this quote, I hope, is going to make me get excited when I doubt again because then I've got the opportunity to wrestle again, wrestle with my doubt. So, it is a gift. If you doubt, it is a gift. I really want you to embrace it. I want you to wrestle with it. And I want you to seek counsel on it. And I want you, through this, to get to know the Lord more and more because that's what it's about because the more you move closer to the Lord the more you get a glimpse of the I am your relationship is going to grow deeper and when your relationship is deeper with the Lord you understand to love others as well so my last words for you is doubt is the mother of all faith Let's pray together.
ihre beiden Danke. Dass ich so okay ist, Jere, dass uns kann Teufel. Danke, Jere, dass, dass ich wird, dass ich Gnade so viel größer ist als uns Teufel. In Jere, ich will rarach bet, dass ich uns all embrace, als uns doubt. Aber Jere, dass ich für uns all fassau, als uns doubt. In Vater, dass ich für uns in uns Harte Botschaften soll depositieren, dass die Heilige Geist mit uns gesellt. In ihrem Magilag soll gut lang uns doubt nieren, aber dass uns wird, dass uns wird, dass ich die I am is. In dit is all wat sag mag. Jere Danki wir eens, dass ihr uns erste Lief gehatet, want als gefolgt davon kann uns Zweifel. Aber Jere Danki, dass ihr uns Zweifel gehe um uns geloof. Und die eine von die Tag klein bisschen stärker zu machen. Und Vater, als uns Zweifel kann uns relate mit anderen Menschen. Und dass uns helle kann im Preis. Danke, Jere, für, für Thomas Sunday. Danke, Jere, dass ihr für Thomas ein Vorbild für uns gemacht habt. Danke, Jere, dass ihr das zugelassen habt, um diese Story in die Bibel zu setzen. Und sehr viel Dank, Jere. Uns bitte in Jesus' Namen. Amen. Thank you, everybody. Da ist noch Koffie in Gesellschaft. Das sei, genieten.